the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. June 6, 2023. I am Seth Leibson. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. David Dahl on the producer's chair. Good to see you, David. Hope you're having a good day. 79 years ago today, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt broadcast what would be the most widely listened to prayer in world history up until that time. It was his prayer for our country, our cause, our soldiers who were commencing the invasion of Normandy. Rereading that history reminds me how different a country we were not that long ago. Rereading some of the new research on the inefficacy of the COVID lock and shutdowns and masking and mandates and all the cowering and shaming of those who didn't cower reminds me how different a country we were not that long ago, too. Think about today, 79 years ago. We were a serious country doing serious things and united in doing them. That was when presidents knew how to fight wars and knew how to speak to Americans and America's best and deepest roots and interests. When President Franklin Roosevelt read that prayer then, it was an appeal to all the Western moral lights in our constellation of man. You've heard enough renditions of it today, probably, so I'll just highlight a couple of points. Aside from the invocation to pray at the beginning— It's the conclusion of Roosevelt's I like so much, and I am quoting, O Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events, of temporal matters, of but fleeting moment, let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing, we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogancies. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all of men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, Almighty God. Close quote. Ours, as you can hear from Roosevelt, was a crusade. And we said that with no embarrassment or apology. Our enemy was, we said, unholy. And we united to that belief with no embarrassment or apology. Some men truly were wrong or evil. Freedom is worth fighting and dying for. And racial arrogancies, that is to say, racial hierarchies of categorization and those who support them had to be conquered. We were a different country not that long ago. Scott Johnson over at Powerline published a great piece of history last year. They were the orders the members of the Navy on the European front received just before D-Day. I shall give you one of the six paragraphs. Quote, it is not we who have to fear the outcome. 
As the German has learned from failure, we have learned from success. To this battle, we bring our tested methods with new weapons and overwhelming strength. Tides and currents present a challenge, which, forewarned, we know how to meet. And it will take more than the last convulsive effort of the beaten master race to match the fighting spirit of the American Navy. It is the enemy who is afraid. Close quote. Today, we are, or some of us are, noting that the U.S. Navy is hiring drag queens to promote recruitment and stage drag shows on naval bases and ships. We were a different country not that long ago. But I do love how everyone knew what the moral lights being blown out in Europe were all about when we were that better country. It had to do with the concept of a master race, as Admiral Alan Goodrich Kirk put it in the naval orders I read you above. I use that phrase, moral lights, to discuss World War II a great deal, but it's really from the precursor to our Civil War where that phrase originates, from Abraham Lincoln's first debate with Stephen Douglas, where he said, quote, Henry Clay once said of a class of men who would repress all tendencies to liberty and ultimate emancipation that they must, if they would do this, go back to the era of our independence and muzzle the cannon which thunders its annual joyous return. They must blow out the moral lights around us. They must penetrate the human soul and er eradicate there the love of liberty. And then, and not until then, could they perpetuate slavery in this country. Close quote. It's amazing how much the totalitarian impulse, mixed with issues of race, has dominated so much of our moral vocabulary throughout history, as well as the fulcrums upon which we measure and balance our moral sense and cause. There are four parts to this importance, I think. Part one is the requirement of a moral sense, a belief in right and wrong, a rebuke to anything considered relativism or embodying in, embodied in the phrase, my truth. After all, Hitler and Jefferson Davis had their truths too, and they weren't on the same moral plane as Churchill's and Lincoln's. Remember the man who pushes an old lady. Is he pushing her in front of a bus or out of the way of a bus? Moral categorizations and distinctions matter. Second, words meant things, and they meant the same things to all people because we are human with the capability of two things that distinguish us as people, as Aristotle taught, speech and reason. Third, the notion of what constitutes a human being is central to all of this, as is the embodiment, derivation, and implication of the rights that all entails. When we declared our independence and liberty, we did so on the basis of all human beings being equal and thus deserving of the same rights as one another, which is what delivered us the notion of a republic or a democracy, if you wish. If we weren't all equal, there can be no government by the consent of the governed, as there cannot be consent among unequal parties. How can we govern one another in turns based on elections if we aren't all equal to one another? You know this in contract law. We should know this just as much in natural law and governments that are based on that existence. As I would not be a slave, so I would not be a master. Finally, the immorality of that which we've seemed to fight since the beginning of time 
is about exactly the opposite of who we were founded and organized to be, the categorizing of human beings against our Declaration of Independence into things other than equal humans, into non-human beings, or lives unworthy of living, or untermenschen. Slaves were given names to help remove their humanity and human relationship to us so that we could do to them not what you do to fellow human beings, but what you do to beasts of burden. Jews, the same dysgenesis in Germany, and anyone else who didn't fit into the Third Reich's racial arrogancies. And of course, here with any number of people and issues in America, both born and unborn. There's then the final thing in thinking about D-Day and us being a different country than we were. Think about what the late teen and young adults were doing and capable of doing 79 years ago, and on behalf of what cause they directed, they directed their exertions. We were a hard America then, to use Michael Barone's phrase. He wrote that life in America used to be a contest between soft America and hard America. Well, I think soft America, ironically enough, won. I give you a Navy that hires TikTok drag queen influencers as but one example. Once we protected kids from real predation. Today, in some odd form of social and political factitious Munchausen syndrome by proxy, we use kids to soothe adult anxieties and cave in to all of their anxieties after we implant them. Adam Carolla's testimony to Congress a few years ago was prophetic. He said, we're talking a lot about the kids, and I think they're just that, kids. We're supposed to be the adults, and I don't think we're doing the children any favors. They grow up dipped in Purell, playing soccer games where they never keep score, and they watch Wow Wow Wubsy, and we're asking them to be mature. We need the adults to start being the adults. Studies have shown that if you take people and put them in a zero-gravity environment like astronauts, they lose muscle mass. They lose bone density. We're taking these kids in the name of protection. We're putting them in a zero-gravity environment, and they are losing muscle mass and bone density. They need to live in a world that has gravity. We need to expose children to germs and dirt and the environment to build up their immune systems. Our plan is to put them in the bubble, keep them away from everything, and somehow they'll come out stronger when they emerge from that bubble. And it's not working. Close quote. Maybe now we can begin to understand how we were a different country once, not that long ago. Here's to the better man who gave us their better toil for better causes in that different country. And in honoring them today, maybe we can begin to reabsorb and readopt not only their ethics, but also that country. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-508-0960 is the key to entry. And Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob. Hi, uh, Seth. I uh, Just uh, because it's the uh, 79th uh, anniversary of uh, the D-Day landing, uh, had a couple of things. Uh, we had about 160,000 Allied troops landing in Normandy on the 6th. And of those, 73,000 were American and 83,000 were from Britain and Canada. 
Uh, there were some French involved. Uh, they faced around 50,000 German forces. Uh, over 2 million Allied soldiers, sailors, pilots, medics, and other people uh, from other countries were involved in the whole Operation Overlord. Um, what, what's interesting is on the D-Day itself, uh, we lost uh, 4,414 Allied troops. The 2,500 were Americans. Uh, 5,000 5, were wounded. Uh, and then... Uh, in the ensuing Battle of Normandy, uh, more than 73,000 Allied forces were killed, and this is after D-Day, of course, uh, and then 153,000 were wounded, uh, along with 20,000 French casualties. Um, the German numbers, we don't really know, but they think somewhere between 4,000 and 9,000 Germans were killed on D-Day, or killed, wounded, or missing. Uh, they have about 22,000 Germans buried around Normandy. Um, the other thing, that's just kind of a local fact check. The other thing, and you might be interested in this, um, there, the, the quote, only the dead have seen the end of war, has been attributed to both Plato and uh, George Santayana. Um, many people, like Douglas MacArthur, attribute it to Plato, and yet nobody can really find it anywhere in Plato's writings, but Santayana, apparently, and he had written, you know, those who do not, do not remember history are doomed to repeat it, uh, seems to be the more likely individual to have said uh, only the dead have seen the end of war. Um, that's something I think for a lot of people, uh, you know, especially the peaceniks and the left and everything to, to really absorb and understand um, because of human nature. It's just how the world we live in, uh, and certain things will never change, no matter how much we wish it to be so. I think that's all I have. Did your dad serve in World War II, Rob? Yeah, he flew B-24s against the Japanese uh, in the South Pacific, was stationed out of uh, Clark Air Base in the Philippines. He even got shot down once, uh, but got picked up by a PBY, maybe PBY Catalina seaplane before the Japanese boats that were coming at him uh, could pick him up. So I guess I'm kind of lucky to be here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of us are lucky to be here. Uh, we're here oh, because yeah. of the exertions of those fine men, the toil of those yeah. great men. You know, um, and and it's worth thinking about, too. I don't need to tell you this, but as, as maybe audience members who are younger than both of us, we um, maybe to audience members younger than both of us, you know, um, we think of you know the the great the great turn of the war and the great victory of uh, of what we commenced on D Day. It was not without a tremendous price. You were good to recite some of those numbers for us. And you know the old General Sherman notion that war is hell, uh, and I think we can attribute that. Apt, uh, correctly to uh, to William Tecumseh yeah. Sherman, I, th I think I think we we can substantiate that one, but uh, in our war of quotes, but hell, it's worth it if 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 it's worth a purpose, and and you think about D Day and Operation Overlord, it came with a lot of blankety blank mistakes by our side too. Remember, oh, yes. you know, you've been to Fort McNair. You've been to Fort McNair. You ever been yeah. to Fort McNair? You know how Leslie McNair, General Leslie McNair, died? Leslie McNair. Uh, 
during uh, we the, we uh, killed him. He we killed our own general. And yeah, Fire. no, we bombed yeah. him. We bombed our own yeah. general. Um and of course the hedgerows were underestimated. I I can't remember the number of people we think we lost cuz we didn't understand the the landscape and the hedgerow in the hedgerows in the bocage, mm-hmm. right? People right. need to remember that too. You know, every plan is perfect until the first bullet is fired. And well, and the enemy gets a vote. Lost, the enemy gets a vote. Yeah, and and we also lost a lot just in training. Yes, uh, of course. When they were, uh, we still do. You know, yes, right, right. Practicing the landing uh, off of England, lots of boats, uh, lots of those uh, landing craft uh, were sunk accidentally, of course, and a lot of guys drowned. Yes, of course. Don't have any num- That's right. Don't have any numbers on that, but I mean, you know, hundreds at least, uh, and that that's not that unusual either. Also, um, they are showing Band of Brothers Marathon on uh, one of the channels, Sundance, I think, today and then tomorrow. Uh, I think it would be well worth watching for a lot of folks who maybe don't get more of the... It, it, what I liked about it is it shows the human aspect. Yeah, I was just going to ask, so, do you think that's as good a portrayal as any you've seen Hollywood do? I, I think so. Yeah. Um, other than maybe Saving Private Ryan yeah. and, and that... Again, I think uh, shows the the horror of the D Day landing yeah. uh, for certain people on certain beaches. Yep. But but I think the Band of Brothers is, is well worth spending time. Uh, and of course, it's based on a book um, that I'm trying to remember who the author was. It was a it was a historian. Oh, Band um, of Brothers. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll think of it in a minute. Um, yeah. yeah. You caught. But anyway, I came up short there. Well, yeah, I'll think of it. Like most things, you know, the the book and the movie in this case i think were really really well done and uh, should should be Stephen ambrose Stephen ambrose Stephen ambrose yeah, that's right, right. Right, right, right um and and uh, should be watched by especially maybe the younger generations or those who i, I only i only really have a, a half a, about a minute left rob but the question that i am perpetually plagued by perturbed by love your answers someone whose dad and you yourself wore the uniform. Only my dad did in my family, my dad and his brother. Um, was uh, – do, do we still have it? Do we still have that stuff? Do we still have those men? I, I, I can answer that quickly. Um, I think we would, but if and only if something bad happened. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, if China does make its move on Taiwan and we lose a carrier or several ships, Mm-hmm. I think there would have to be something catastrophic to have happen in order for that sort of patriotism and willingness to risk your life for your country to to occur again. Okay, and that's the only thing. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I'm now, perpetually wondering, you know, just how different the country has become, and how different even the military. Uh, Military uh, colleges and more colleges have become training. Uh, training has become, and what eighteen-year-olds think about and train for and believe in today—it's uh, a perpetual question. Hopefully, we won't ever have to answer it, but we better be damn well ready, prepared to answer it too. All right, Rob. Thank you, and God bless. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Dombrowski is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. Great website. Good way to reach him. GrandCanyonPlanning.com. He's also the host of his own radio show, 
heard right here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. How are you, John? Fantastic, Seth. How's it going? It's good to hear your voice, my friend. Thank you. All right, walk me through this. I'm not into commercial. I, I'm not in commercial real estate, and this is news to me. Interest-only loans helped commercial property boom. Now they're coming due. Landlords face a 1.5 trillion dollar bill for commercial mortgages over the next three years. We know what that could possibly mean when it comes to home mortgages. Talk to mm-hmm. me about the commercial industry here. Well, it, in a situation such as home mortgages, you know, traditionally a home mortgage is usually a principal and interest right. that you're paying back on a home mortgage loan. And sometimes they include taxes and insurance in that payment. So they call it PITI, right? For the principal interest taxes and insurance. Well, with commercial loans, they're they're a little bit different. Uh, businesses, you know, are handled a little different than personal Um, loans for uh, housing. Uh, And typically we find owners may do what's called an interest-only loan. And it may be for a shorter period of time than you would see a traditional home mortgage. Say a 30-year fixed mortgage on a home is pretty standard. Maybe some have 20 or 15 years. Uh, But with commercial properties, they're usually shorter-term loans. And as we had virtually 0% interest going back a number of years and for the last, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10 years, companies uh, who were purchasing buildings, big uh, commercial office buildings, say, uh, were doing what is called an interest-only loan. And it might have been a 7-year or a 10-year loan. And the thought was, well, we'll just refinance it when that comes due. Uh, you know, at a similar rate to what we currently have. Well, unfortunately, as interest rates rose over the last year, we're seeing a lot of these companies, $1.5 trillion in loans in the next three years coming due, scrambling as to what are they going to do when that loan comes due because that debt is 100% payable at that time. So if they borrowed $50 million and have been paying the interest on it up to this point, uh, they need to come up with $50 million uh, to pay off that loan or refinance it at a much, much higher rate if they even can or sell the property, which, of course, the thought would be is, well, how much is yeah, the right. property worth if, right. if you know, half the building is now empty because people are working from home mm-hmm. and maybe companies are not renewing their lease as they would have been in the past. So a lot of factors go into this, and the concern is is that there may be a number of defaults that may be coming when it comes to these big commercial buildings. And who's left holding that bag? Banks? Uh, the banks would be left yeah. holding the bag, and of course, then who ultimately steps in? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the so federal government. There could right? be another bailout. Now, maybe not. Maybe yeah. some of these banks will be able to sustain some of this. But the banks are getting prepped for this as well, and I would hope that they're going to be looking at ways to work with the uh, with the uh, you know the people who owe these uh, loans and trying to work out some type of an arrangement with them. Maybe just to continue to have that interest only. Uh, payment coming. But I'll give you a perfect example. I had a, yep. a friend of mine call me last, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, on a, on a big uh, project up in Prescott. And it was a uh, nonprofit company that bought a, a property up there. And uh, it was about a $3 million property. They put a couple million dollars in renovations into it. So it's about a, a $5 million project. And their loan is coming due. And the current lender is not willing to uh, refinance the property for them. So they're calling that note uh, all due and payable uh, in the next couple of months. 
And this company is now scrambling for investors because they don't seem to be able to find lenders at this point that are going to lend. So they're going to uh, individuals trying to find someone who will lend the money. And usually individuals are going to want a much higher interest rate than the bank would. So it's going to put a lot of companies in a a very difficult position. Now, there are those, those still, Seth, those smaller companies. Maybe you own a small little office building and you have a print shop that you're running out of it, a lot of these particular uh, commercial buildings are financed using the SBA uh, program, the mm-hmm. Small Business Association program. So it is a government-backed loan. You have to jump through some hoops on these, but they're a little bit more you know, friendly to smaller businesses. I'm so glad you highlighted this. I would not have noticed it. Boy, that's big. We're going to want to talk about it yep. some more, too. I, the implications here are really, are really big. Thank you, John. Yeah, and I would just yeah. caution people out there to be cautious on uh, some of the REITs that are out there oh, now yeah? because as these commercial buildings start to have challenges, uh, oftentimes those REITs become more and more illiquid. So just be very careful about that. And if you need more information, you can certainly reach out to me, grandcanyonplanning.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Plenty Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Nice work, John. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. sir. Okay. All right. God Bye. bless. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Is the number. Um, Chris Christie is entering the presidential race. I'm reminded that uh, he dropped out very early in uh, his last effort in 2016. It seems a pretty big lift to think that having been out of office throughout that period of time, since then even, that, that he's going to be able to um, package more magic or bottle more lightning than he couldn't in 2016. And yet it is uh, inevitably true. He is a man of great rhetorical gift. And, um, and, and that, will be, that will be his calling card. He will probably uh, mostly be an attack dog against Donald Trump. Probably if I'm thinking... If, I, if I'm thinking out loud honestly with you right now, I'm thinking the two greatest rhetorical fusillades in this campaign against Donald Trump will be from Chris Christie and uh, Ron DeSantis. Ron, because he has to, and he's number two, and he's had so much sent his his way, right? Uh, he has no choice. And Chris Christie, because it seems to be that that is just, at this point, the passion deep within him. Um. Which begs yet the third element of analysis here, which is how much will he hurt Donald Trump? Will the addition of one more Republican whittle away at the support that Ron DeSantis in the number two spot thought he would get? The anti-Trump vote, in other words, the the not-Trump vote, will he— Will he vitiate? Will, will will Chris Christie attenuate the support that would otherwise go to uh, the leading number two candidate against Trump? Or will his rhetorical gifts and abilities, which are ample, uh, be a net negative to Donald Trump? And uh, 
All I can say is we shall see. We'll go through it together. Clark uh, is in surprise. Hello, Clark. How are you, sir? Hi, I'm, I'm good, Seth. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Uh, I was just struck with a, a comment earlier. I'm also in surprise. My, uh, you know, my dad worked for the worked for the railroad after the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. He turned 36, went volunteered, went into you know basic training, and then did uh, officer candidate school, and did Normandy, and fought with Patton during. You know, in the Third Army, no uh, it's just amazing what um, people in those days would do. I just, I can't imagine that there's a whole lot of people out there that would do that these days. Well, that's my worry. That's my concern. Now, I am told to buck up and cheer up, and that we always do when the, when the, um, when the, uh, when the bricks fall. And and I hope that's right, but I still can't help but think we were a different country. Um, we were a different country in those days. People say, well, we haven't been tested really like that, and we have been. We were tested certainly a lot since then, not with the same degree of power and force and stakes. But, you know, we saw it on 9-11. I guess a lot of people had questions about us, Clark, around whether we had it when 9-11 came, and we certainly did. And uh, you saw people, you know, just wonderful, wonderful young boys and girls signing up and volunteering. I even saw old people trying to get back, older people trying to get back in, you know? Everyone everyone right. rallied. But then we had another test, which is that, as I give, I'll take, that if that gives you a sense of optimism, we had another test of what kind of stuff we were made of throughout covid and in 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 the course of um, you know in the course of about nineteen years, we went from let's roll up to let's roll to let's roll up under a bed and and hide. Something yeah. changed in our culture. Majorly failed. Right? Yeah. No. Something about the American um, the American vigor and character did change um, between nine eleven and and twenty twenty. Um, and I, what I can't tell, maybe back to the optimism part, is maybe that was done for all. That was all done for a political reason. Um, maybe that was political posturing. But I don't know, Clark. I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard to assess that. My dad uh, lied about his age to get into World War II, and uh, didn't do didn't do the European theater as yours. He did the Pacific. Uh, and um, you know, Battle of Okinawa, and uh, and forward from there. I'm lucky to be alive, of course, as well. He was yeah. supposed to invade her. Uh, he was supposed to invade Japan uh, until Truman decided we're going to do it a different way and end the war a different way, other than 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 subject all our all our men, all our boys to to oh, to a murder. charnel house, yeah. right? So um, I, I do worry about these things. I do think about these things a lot. And, of course, it requires something, too, intellectually in our culture, that there was no self-doubt in the World War II era about the goodness, if not greatness, of America. And there was no equivalent self-doubt in 2001 about the goodness and greatness of America as there is today. It wasn't the same in 2001 as it was in 1941, 
but it isn't the same today as it was in 2001 either. So it's an open question in my book, and one I hope we don't have to answer, but as I say, one we better be prepared to answer, right? Well, I, I, I don't disagree at all. Yeah. My dad, until the day he died, believed that Patton was assassinated. You know? That and, what? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Oh, that Patton was. My, yes, 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 Patton yes, was yes, assassinated. yes, 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 yes. Because he wanted to go into Russia, and what a different world is. Well, yeah. Well, who knows? Yes. Well, who's the historian I like? A.J.P. Taylor said, "History does not reveal its alternatives." Clark, thank you, and bless you in your service, and of course the memory and life of your dad as well, and his service and his memory. Thank you very much for that. Mike is in Maricopa. Hello, Mike. Yes. Good afternoon. Seth. How you doing, brother? I'm doing really, really good. The I want first off I want to thank you very much for covering D Day. Oh, I've been thinking about that for these last couple of days and monitoring some of the different radio stations and some of them just kind of oh well yeah by the way today in history yeah, yes yeah, sir yeah. right and, and there is a lot of that seen. there is yeah. there is there is very much so and you know you had posed the question to Rob. Uh, and I have to answer it. All right, would you give me the other side of the break to do so, okay, Mike? I, I gotta, I gotta, sure. get, I gotta take a quick commercial break, and when we come right back, we'll we'll let you do so. And I'd love to have anyone else answer it as well, uh, and we'll repeat the question too. We'll be right back. A possible, ref- a possible recession, inflation, market volatility, bank failures. Why Refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you do need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio offered up by Y-Refi, which is based here locally. And I and they encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road and the 101. I've been there. And I can tell you that you will not get a sales pitch and no one's going to ask you to sign a thing. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much. And you can too. A due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. It's right at 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, and refy.com. Or call them at 888-YREFI-34. 888-YREFI-34. Mike and Maricopa, thank you for your patience, sir. Yes, sir. You had posed a question to Rob about are they still making them? Yep. Do we still make those men here? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. Good. And you know... Uh, I don't know how long ago it was. Maybe it was a year ago. I brought it up about Alwyn Cash being awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. And there were a couple other people. There was a Khalif. He was an Army Ranger. And there was another one. I don't recall his name, but he was an Army Green Beret. And on that day, all three of them were awarded. Now, Alwyn Cash had passed away, and the Khalif had died at the scene. Um, he put himself in the line of fire on the other side of a Black Hawk helicopter while they were loading uh, wounded people, an Army Ranger, and they both gave their lives. And uh, so I'll I'll go to the affirmative that, yes, they are. And um, just a little bit. I know we got really limited time. My dad went up on the beach at Normandy. He was in Patton's third. Wow. And my uh, uncle, Jim Davis, 
I'm not sure. I was kind of young back then. Numbers didn't mean a lot to me, but uh, they jumped in 82nd or the 101st Airborne, and my Uncle Bob was also in the 82nd or the 101st. So technically they kind of beat uh, D-Day by, I don't know, about 12 hours yeah. because they jumped in the yeah. night before. <laughs> and that that was a big mess, but uh, they they uh, both made it to survive to talk about it. But uh, I'd really like to thank you very much. You Seth, bet. For... And why don't you call back again? Well, whenever you like, but of course on Veterans Day, and we'll spend more time uh, uh, honoring their memory and their service. And uh, I'm glad they made it, too, because they made it, we made it. Right, Mike? Of course. 602-508-0960. 602-5089-60. We will be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 